Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Wednesday, May 4th, and we've got a packed show for you as both teams on the diamond are in the top five in the country. We've also got a lot to catch up on with basketball transfers in and out of the program, and also the NFL draft last week. Four more Hokies heard their names called by the commissioner. We'll get to all of that and much more on episode 237 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you into episode 237 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, however you are listening, whether that's archived on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or if you are on our YouTube channel. If you are, we ask you to like, comment, subscribe, and turn on notifications. Hit the bell so you know when the Tech Sideline Podcast goes live every single week. Also, if you are in our live YouTube chat, make sure to drop a comment or question for Chris, David, or Will. We'll get to those towards the end of the show. Guys, we haven't been on the set in a while. Uh, we've got the crew on set. Will Stewart will be joining us later, founder and general manager. But to my right, Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist. Across the way, managing editor David Cunningham. Katie Adams making her return to the fourth chair today. As always, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. And I'm your host, Jake Lyman. Again, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, we've had a lot of guests on over the last few weeks. Great interviews. Uh, Tony Roby, Mike Lewis with the softball program, John Sheff last week. But we get to catch up on some stuff. Uh, and let's start with baseball. I think probably the most intriguing story of the weekend. They take two of three uh, from Virginia for the first time since joining the ACC, now a top five team in the country. It, it seems like I'm kind of waiting for this team to slip up, and they just won't do it. They've won every ACC you're, series. You're waiting point. for it because they slipped up last year. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> slight correction, Tech has swept UVA before. But in that was in Blacksburg, but yes, yes in, in, in it was their first series win in Charlottesville, which is very impressive. And one of the reasons Tech is ranked so high in the RPI, they're up to fifth now, is because most of these series have been on the road. They keep winning on the road. And uh, and so I think their last, what, 10 games are going to be at home. Yeah. Yep. So there won't be as big of an RPI boost, but it gives them a chance to close strong. I want to say Tech has, has, what is Tech's record at home this year? I think they've only lost four games at home. Or yeah, something and... Like that. Uh, it's really, really good. Yeah. But, but I mean, you got to think they they only played one of three games again. You know, the, the, the Notre Dame series got snowed out, mm-hmm. but they beat Notre Dame. They took two of three at North Carolina and at North Carolina State. Mm-hmm. That's five ranked wins, mm-hmm. and that doesn't even count the UVA two wins at UVA. Right, and then you beat Miami on your own turf. You, you, I the, mean, the win at Liberty was a good R, RPI R, win. Also. That too, you know, and and not to mention like. Beating JMU, you know, yes. here is a pretty good win too. So, um, yeah, I, I feel the same way, Jake. I've I've kind of felt like, you know, last year, okay, they're going to slip up, 
and they just haven't. There's just it. so many good hitters on that team. Yeah. You got three guys ranked in MLB.com's top 150 prospects. Yeah. So there's a good chance Tech is going to have three players go in the first five rounds of the draft in July. Yeah. Uh, Gavin Cross pretty seems like he's going to be a consensus top 15 pick, maybe sneak into the top 10 possibly. I think he's number 11 on that MLB list. Uh, so there's just a lot of, a lot of batting talent on that team. And uh, the, the first two pitchers, the top two pitchers, have been really good. Uh, I know Hackenberg had, took his first loss yeah. on Saturday. That's a good thing. Get it out of your yeah. system before the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I remember the last <laughs> but, but But he's a true freshman who right, went essentially right. – He all, went 8-0. No. I, 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 I mean, he went, kept going and going I, and going. I'm comparing it to Joe Manaply, who is in the majors right now. He was Tech's number one starter the last year Tech hosted uh, the NCAA tournament 2013. And he was unbeaten going into the NCAA tournament. Tech is hosting the number one seed, so that Friday night they get the number four seed, which I believe was UConn. And sure enough, Joe Manaply had his first loss of the year in the NCAA tournament, and uh, in front of the biggest baseball crowd at that point in Tech history. Yeah, wow. Uh, so all I'm saying, I was not that I wanted to lose the game, but I felt like Hackenberg. Things were coming a little too easy for him, and I think he needed to have a bad <laughs> night before the NCAA tournament. Get it out of your system. Yeah, well, in, in Game Three, you know, the Sunday starter has been—I don't want to say up in the air. I mean, John, we had John Chef on, you know, last week, and, and he kind of said, "Yeah, like Jordan Geber is kind of sliding in and, and kind of making him making that role his." Um, but but the Sunday starters, you know, Geber wasn't bad. He wasn't great. He just gave up some. UVA just kept hitting. Well, he only went one inning, uh, <laughs> which and. Not great from your Sunday no, but, starter. But, but, but then Henry Weicker comes in and, and kind of takes over the game. And the fact that, you know, Virginia Tech has this stability because you think back to it like last year, you know, Virginia Tech probably, you know, you win game one and then Virginia Tech probably would have lost that game three. And and just the consistent hitting, um, I think get, getting hits, and this is the name of baseball, but like getting hits when you need them. I mean, Virginia Tech's been so good at that this season, and it's not just Gavin Cross. It's not just Tanner Schobel, not just Nick Bittison. It's everybody. I mean, you can pretty much plug everyone into the lineup, and, and I think that goes to show the development, especially of all the young guys, because there were so many guys that were essentially eight of the nine guys were freshmen last year. Yep. Freshmen, either true freshmen or you know COVID freshmen. Mm. Now everybody's got another year under their belt, and and you've seen the development, you know. And Gavin Cross isn't always, you know, doing Gavin Cross things, but when Tanner Schobel, when Nick Bittison, Carson Demartini, Eduardo Malinowski, I mean, you you've got a long list of guys that can pretty much step up to the plate anytime and and get you something. And you saw that on Friday. You talk about the middle of this order has been the part that's been producing. Cade Hunter, Tanner Schobel, Gavin Cross, Jack Hurley. But it was Nick Bittison with the home run. Carson Martini with the home run on Friday to back up Griffin Green uh, against Nate Savino for Virginia. Uh, and the Hokies have won every single Friday game since that Georgia Tech series uh, in ACC play. Griffin Green, 7-1 and one now. Uh, you mentioned those two starters. You've got Green 7-1, and one, Hackenberg 8-1. and one. It's going to be tough to beat the Hokies with those two guys in, uh, on the mound over the next few weeks. What we haven't talked about this year enough is defense. We've talked about how good the hitting is and the improved p- uh, pitching, but maybe the pitching is improved because the defense is so much better. I think that's a big reason for it. The Tech did not commit a single error in that three-game series. And, you know, I watched the Friday night game, and the defense saved several runs in that Friday night game. I mean, Green had a great line, but 
if the defense had been last year's standards or the previous year's yeah. standards, that he would have given up four or five You're runs. You're losing in that game. those games. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So uh, just, I think Tech is top 10 in fielding percentage, but uh, I think they also, I also feel like they have a little more range and playmaking ability, uh, particularly with Showbull at, at, at shortstop. I mean, we saw him make a pro play on Sunday with yeah. that spin, but behind the second yeah. base bag. Um, so I, I just think it's just a overall a more complete, much more complete team. Yeah. And I think. I think Carson Martini at third, he's kind of stepped yeah. into that, not to, to go at Kevin Madden, but there were a lot of times last year where Kevin Madden was just inconsistent just at third defensively base. Very, defensively, yeah. Yes. I mean, just just like ball comes right to him and you know he just can't make the uh, uh, routine throw to first. And you haven't really, I think across the board, you haven't really seen much of that from Virginia Tech baseball at all this year. I mean, and and moving Gavin Cross to center, you know, from right and kind of just shuffling everybody around. I mean, I thought it was really interesting when we had Chef on last week and, you know, he's talking about how, you know, Nick Bittison, who's essentially played first for a lot of them this year, goes and plays right field and he's like, that's some of the best right field I've ever seen. And Gavin Cross is playing some of the best center field he's ever seen. And and there's just so much, uh, I guess, Guys can slide around, and, and they have, there's flexibility there. And if you need a guy, like Jack Hurley's playing left field, but he played center field last year, you know, and, and the guys have – everybody in the outfield kind of has, like I think, like Chef said, center field speed where everybody can kind of track down those balls, and you combine that with, like, a, a really good infield. And we've even seen it from a guy like Nick Holisa coming in. There's not much – there's no drop-off when he comes in at first base. I, I think overall – you know that the fielding has kind of elevated the pitching staff. And Coach Jeff talked about first base specifically uh, when we asked him about defense last week. He said uh, the first baseman's job is to make the rest of the infield better. If they make a bad throw, you can scoop it. You can get it. And apparently Nick Holisa has been about as good as Coach Jeff could have asked for uh, this year. Let's talk about that Sunday victory. I talked about waiting for uh, the Hokies to kind of have their letdown and lose a series. And the Hokies go down 4 nothing against a top 15 team in Virginia on the road. I kind of, I was ready to yeah. turn the channel and just say, okay, there it is. They lost the series. And they battled all the way back. Uh, we mentioned Gieber only went one inning. Weicker and Fireved come in, eight innings in relief, one earned run, eight strikeouts. Uh, and the bats came to, to play Gavin Cross, uh, triple shy of the cycle. Uh, that I think that shows the grittiness of this team. You go down four nothing on the road to your rival, top fifteen team, and you come all the way back and get a huge win. That game reminded me of Game Four of the World Series that I was at this past year, <laughs> when uh, you know the Braves had a bullpen game, uh, as they did a couple times during the World Series. But the guy they started in Game Four did not exactly get off to a great start. He lasted two thirds of an inning, and the bases were loaded, so they had to bring in Kyle Wright and. Kyle Wright gets the out, and then he pres presumes to pitch like five innings of one-run ball, you know, and the Braves won the game. And uh, that that's that's kind of what that Sunday game reminded me of. Quite frankly, it's kind of what Sunday games have to be for Virginia Tech. They are the bullpen game. Yeah. Um, it was actually good to win a Sunday game because, generally speaking, the trend had been you win on Friday, you win on Saturday. And then the Sunday and, game doesn't really yeah, you you lose. Matter. Right, right. Yeah. And you're you take there, the first two. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, I wish we had a – definite third starter or we'd be getting some sweeps here but so it was good to show that you can win a sunday game yeah. and uh because uh you can't just de depend on those number one and number two starters particularly when you hit the postseason because you're going to be facing you know a lot of teams that can hit the baseball if one of those guys has an off night 
you're going to need that bullpen game to come up with a victory for you. Yeah, and I think kind of what what you mentioned, one run ball, you know, UVA scored four runs in the first two innings and then only scored once the rest of the game, and that was a homer. Mm-hmm. You know, Tech pretty much yeah. shut them out the rest of the game. And that... They're, they're like right... UVA and Tech are both like top five in batting average in the yeah. country, right? So you're talking about a really good hitting lineup. Yeah, yeah. and... and you know, Tech's down 4 nothing after two innings, and everybody's sitting there going, what the heck's going on? And then Virginia Tech proceeds to score seven unanswered. You know, and then they did give up that one home run. But, like, that is really impressive to do. And especially when it's not necessarily your Friday starter, your Saturday starter. It's, it's your bullpen game. That just kind of, again, goes to show that, like, I think that's kind of a confidence boost for for everybody. I mean, just yeah. in the organization, everybody with the, with the program, just, all right, if we do get to a Sunday game where we need everybody to step up, well, we know how good our, our bats are going to be. But if I'm John Chef, I, I feel a bit more comfortable now knowing that my Sunday guys, you know, whoever it is, can come in and get us a win if we need it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think it's important to point out that UVA had only lost two home games all year yeah. yes. before that series. Now they've lost four. So 50% of their home <laughs> losses this year have come to Virginia Tech. And uh, it's a bullpen game on Sunday. Henry Weicker, Graham Firevid, you have to feel like if you combine three or four guys out of that bullpen on Sunday, you can get wins, and they've done it back-to-back weekends. Took Sunday's game against Boston College last week, then take Sunday on the road against Virginia. Before we move past the Cavaliers, I rarely get to say my claim to fame. I might have told you this before. Don't think I brought it up on the podcast. Friday starter uh, for Virginia, Nate Savino, uh, played in my district in high school. He was a sophomore when I was a senior uh, and big lefty, throws 93, uh, and I step up. He sees my 5'11", 150-pound frame, He's trembling. and he walks me. Yeah, he, he walks there me. Go. Uh, <laughs> he sees me walk up there and says... <laughs> Can't throw this guy anything. <laughs> well, well, at least he didn't hit you. No, yes, that was that was my fear. I only had like four career varsity hits, so I knew I wasn't going to get a hit off him. But so be- best case scenario, got on base. That's yes. important. Yes. Uh, so there we go. My claim. Did you guys fame. win the game? Nope. Uh, I made two errors in left field or right field and lost the game. Oh. You know, our uh, first ever TSL, <laughs> our first ever TSL baseball writer. Uh, back in the day, actually faced off against Matt Harvey one time wow. in high school. Yeah, he struck out and walked. There you go. Like, well, you got on base. You every got time, on base. Every time you see Matt Harvey play, you can tell people that guy walked me yeah. one time. Yes. Impressive. So if Nate Savino ever makes the MLB, you say that I can guy say, walked. Me. That, that guy was school. scared. That me. guy saw me coming. You know, it wasn't a four pitch walk, but I'll say it was. I'll say he <laughs> he threw four pitches outside the zone. He didn't want me touching it. Uh, well, just two ACC series left for Virginia Tech. A tough one coming up in a few weekends. They get off from the ACC this weekend with Villanova. Next weekend, Louisville, they're leading the Atlantic right now, 14-7 and in the ACC, 31-12 and overall. That's one of those series that you feel like could make or break the difference between being a top eight seed in yeah. the NCAA tournament right. and being outside where if you do get past the regionals, you might have to head on the road yeah, for the Super Yeah, regionals. so it's a distinct possibility that it's basically a done deal for softball that they're going to host a regional yeah, and yes. a super regional. Uh, baseball has that chance, too. You know, they're, they're good in, in the RPI, and if they close strong, they will have a chance where they could potentially play two but home this is, series. But this is a series you have to win. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, like Louisville's a good team. Get yourself some more quality wins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you can finish, finish it off down the stretch, something like eight and two, 
you know, seven and three, something like that, then I think you put yourself in a, in a pretty good position. Yeah. Well, and I think the good news is for Virginia Tech, you're sitting there thinking, I don't have to, of course, exams, you know, start this week. And so that's why it's a, it's a short schedule with, with Villanova, yes. only a two game series, but you don't have to travel at all. Right. Like you get to sit at home and, and relax and, you don't have to go on a bus. You did all your traveling already. You've got Liberty midweek next week. Then you've got a three-game series. So you got another chance for a quality win against Liberty. Yes. And you got a three-game series against Louisville, another really quality opponent. Then Kansas State comes to town, and then you got Duke. Mm. It's not necessarily a crazy difficult schedule, but it's not an easy one either. And I think if if Tech can continue to show that continue to to get a Sunday win, you know, to continue to show the I guess kind of work out the kinks a little bit because you want to kind of be playing your best baseball come the ACC tournament. Um, you know, I think that's a chance to show it. And that Louisville series, it, I mean, it's probably going to be the, you know, one of the bigger series Virginia Tech's played in the season, which is kind of crazy to think about. But yeah. like, you know, it'll only be what the second ranked series Virginia Tech's played at home this year. Miami would be the other one. NC State was at home too. Oh, NC State was at home. Okay. So the third third ranked series. But Tech's played on the road so much. You know, this is, I think, a, a really good chance for the Hokies to kind of boost their resume just a little bit more. And you mentioned classes end today, exams over the next week, so a little bit of a lighter schedule for baseball. But after that, all these guys have to focus on the rest of the way is baseball, trying to get uh, to the regionals, super regionals, and hopefully the College World Series. Uh, do we think this is a Hokies team that can – Make that happen. Obviously, a surprise that we've seen them have so much success this year. I don't think anybody thought this would be a top five team at any point in the year. Does this team have what it takes to make a, a deep postseason run? I would feel more comfortable if they had a third starter. Um, the, the last time Virginia Tech hosted, they actually had four good starters who went on wow. to have professional careers. And obviously, you know, uh, Mantiply was one of them and he made the majors. Uh, that was a very, very good staff. Um, they they didn't they were a good hitting team but they were not an elite hitting team like this one. Uh, I, I think also the, I think this team was a better defensive team also than that one. Um, so I, like I said, I would feel more comfortable if if they had a uh, a third starter. But I think is you know if if their bats stay hot, I mean they they can beat anybody. So I definitely feel feel pretty good about them getting past that first weekend and. You know, we'll see about super regionals. Yep. Uh, you know, it's kind of like talking about the bubble for the NCAA tournament. Like, you get the question every week on the podcast, right? What does Virginia Tech have to do to make the NCAA tournament? And I'm, and it's just like, I don't know. What does everybody else? It depends on what other teams do too. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that, that's the same thing for baseball. Whether Tech could be a top eight and host a super regional is kind of dependent on other teams as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's going to – I mean, I think it's going to come down to who Tech ends up getting matched up with. Mm -hmm. Because if you get matched up with a team that like, is also like kind of like a very similar team to Virginia Tech, a really, really good hitting team with all right pitching, you know, versus a, a team that maybe isn't as good hitting-wise but has really good pitching – you know, like I think in that situation, Virginia Tech would have the advantage. You know, you just got to get some hits and and have your pitchers, you know, do their thing yeah. and you're good. The problem is if you run into teams that can also hit as well. Like, like obviously you're not going to be able, you're not you're not going to be running into a Tennessee team, but you might be in the supers. Yes, you know, so, like you're not going to be running into them in the regionals, obviously. But um, I don't know. I, I, after Sunday, I feel like a, I feel a little bit better after Sunday, just because. You can't like that's two weeks in a row now where the Sunday's Sunday game has been won yes. by a group 
collective right. effort. And, and that's good, but you need to keep doing that. And you need to keep building up that confidence. You know, maybe Jordan Geber's not the guy, but you've got to find somebody. And I think that could end up dooming Tech in the end, not having a Sunday starter. But the good news is that there aren't many teams in the country that can hit as well as Tech. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of... I mean, we, we saw, again, we saw it on Sunday, you know, like in a Sunday game, you're pitching, you know, a bullpen game, you're down for nothing. And, you know, Gavin crosses what four for five and, you know, the rest of the lineup just kind of gets hits when you need it. I, I think there's, I, I think this team has it in them, but it's kind of come, kind of come down to the matchup. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think they've proven they can beat good teams. They've beaten a bunch of NCAA tournament teams already, yeah. so you've got to feel good from that standpoint. I think the great equalizer is defense, and the fact that their defense is so much better this year. Um, you've got a professional at shortstop, yeah, and uh, and that and he might not be a pro shortstop. He might be a pro second baseman, but but still, he's he's a pro defender in a real in a very in, good in showable right and uh, showable. And then you've got three outfielders that will play professional baseball. Um, so I, I just think and you've got a catcher who's going to play professional baseball and uh, so much improved at third base this year defensively. So uh, I just think defense is better across the board. And uh, that, that could that, be the that, difference. That certainly gives the pitching staff a lift, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think Will tweeted out, it was a quote posted on the message boards today from a D1 baseball article about Virginia Tech talking about their defense mm-hmm. up the middle. You've got Cade Hunter at catcher, who's been phenomenal this year. You mentioned Tanner Schobel, professional infielder at shortstop. Eduardo Malinowski's been great at second base, too. And then Gavin Cross in center. <laughs> if you have good defense up the middle, you're going to well, feel pretty good yes. uh, about your defense as a whole. I mean, Gavin Cross throwing out that guy at the plate. <laughs> in the UVA game on Saturday, I believe it was. Yeah, that, that was impressive. And uh, I was reading a little bit, bit about him. He doesn't project as a center fielder professionally. Yeah, He's yeah. a corner outfielder. Maybe a right. I, I was always assuming left field, but maybe after maybe seeing that throw, maybe right field. Yeah, I mean, he played yeah, right he played field right yeah, up until this year. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's, like Chris said, there's so much talent on this team. Yeah. It's hard not to feel good about them. I think, it, in all honesty, it's going to come down to what kind of team Tech ends up getting in the Supers. Because you would assume Tech can, especially playing at home, Tech should be able to, you know, get through the regionals, not with ease, but but they're good enough to do that. Right. Um, you know, I think I think this Tech team could potentially win the ACC. I mean, that now that also, you're playing multiple games in multiple days, yes, and yeah. that's when you need your pitching that's staff you to come up big. Staff. And that, that's the reason the 2013 team, the reason they hosted, they I think they were like the 15th seed out of 16. The reason they hosted is because they got into the ACC tournament and made a run to the, the ACC finals. Yeah. Lost to North Carolina, but, you know, they made that run because they had four quality starters. Yeah. So, uh, it, a tournament style like the ACC tournament might be a little bit difficult for this Virginia Tech team. We'll see. Yeah, because you got to get out of your pod. Yes. Yeah, you've got, and so like you could throw Griffin Green and Drew Hackenberg one, two. Okay, you get two wins. Now what? The, right. the, the third day, okay, it's a bullpen game against in the semis against one of the better teams. Miami, right, right. Yeah. Virginia, exactly. or, yeah, so. so on and so forth. So going to be tough, uh, but right now Virginia Tech, they are the highest ranked team in the ACC. They are. Uh, and the game tonight against Marshall has been canceled. That game was in West Virginia. Uh, not going to be played. So a lot of home games coming up for this team. If you're in the area, head on out. Villanova this weekend, I believe it's Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I believe games. so, yeah. Uh, and then after that, Louisville and Duke uh, with some midweeks in between. So a uh, lot of fun there with Virginia Tech and hopefully more home games after that uh, with regionals and super regionals. 
Uh, let's move on. Uh, we ha- we haven't been able to talk about basketball in weeks, uh, and a lot has happened. We haven't talked about any of the transfers out or the transfers in, so let's dive into that. Uh, obviously, a lot of attrition out of the program. Naheem Aleen has moved on. He will play at UConn now. John Ogiaco, David Gasson, Jalen Haynes, also all in the portal. Am I missing anybody there? No, and Haynes, Haynes committed to East Tennessee yes, State. Yes, so. Haynes at ETSU. And then also, if we're talking about players going out, Kevin Aluma has decided to sign an agent and go into the NBA draft, so he won't yeah. be coming back as well. So those are five pretty key pieces for and, Virginia Tech. And Storm Murphy Storm, graduating. Yes, yeah, Storm so. Murphy graduating. So there's six players out. Um, John Camden has come in. Uh, he's the first official transfer in from Memphis. He was recruited to Virginia Tech out of high school, ended up going to Penny Hardaway, but now comes back to Blacksburg. What are we thinking right now about the way this roster is constructed? Obviously, you would assume there's got to be some more moves in the front court, uh, mm-hmm. but Camden, a good piece to add to start off uh, the, the transfers in. Certainly an NCAA tournament caliber backcourt. Yes. Um, a lot of unknown in the front court. Uh, I like Camden, but what you have to – I think he's a great fit for the system. I mean, Tech recruited him hard out of high school. To me, it's like how much did that injury set him back? He played in one game – for Memphis for two minutes before he got hurt and then sat out the rest of the season. So how rusty is he going to be? How good is he anyway? He's a transfer, yes. but we haven't seen him against college competition. Yes. Yeah, and is he uh, is he immediate impact? Is, is he going to be right, able to make an immediate right, impact, right. or is, is it going to take him a little bit of time to it, get the rust off? Is he a four or a three? Generally speaking, I look at him six eight in college. You're probably a four, um, but you know, but I, he can but shoot. He the can ball. shoot it, um, but you, uh, but you want your four in Virginia Tech system to also be able yeah. to shoot it. Um, does he start off as a four and eventually switch to a three? Uh, does he get in here and you find out? Wow, he's got more lateral quickness than we thought he had, so we can definitely play the three full time. I don't know. Um, so yeah, he's a piece. I I could see him starting at power forward for Virginia Tech this year if Mutz doesn't come back. I could see him being a bench guy, kind of a swing role between the three and the four, depending on the matchup. It's just there's he's a, there's a whole lot of unknown there, other than the fact that from a skill set standpoint, he's a good fit for Virginia Tech offensively, and his dad went to Virginia Tech also. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, I was gonna say he's gonna he's gonna be a, a really good fit. The question is just how when is he going to be able to kind of make his impact? Because think about this. You know, Virginia Tech right now is a really good incoming recruiting class. Not even counting the backcourt with Rodney Rice and MJ Collins. You've got Patrick Wessler and Darren Buchanan coming in. But that's a lot of young talent in the front court mm-hmm. now. Yeah. A lot of young guys that I think I, I did the math. Um, Lynn Kidd has played like eight, 17, he has 17 career appearances. Mm-hmm. And most of them were mop up duty. Right. Yeah, the 10 of, of the them last. were this year and 7 of them were last right. year and for Clemson. So think about this. For, so there's just barely any experience there. And for people thinking like Wessler, because he happens to be 7 feet tall, is going to come in and make a huge difference. Lynn Kidd was higher ranked than Wessler coming out of high school. Yes. And he's going to he's going to be entering his third year and he just hasn't made an impact anywhere yet. Mm. Not that he can't. It just yeah. takes big guys longer to develop. Yeah. When look, I th- look at Kevin Aluma. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't. Like, he couldn't score four years. Four years, exactly. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think one of the one of the things people don't realize about Mike Young's system is it's it's a it's much more complex than a lot of the other systems around the country. So it takes guys longer to get adjusted. There's a reason why Darius Maddox didn't play a lot of minutes early in the season because on both the offensive and defensive end, it takes some time to adjust. 
for guys coming into college, it probably takes a little bit longer. You think about a guy like John Camden, who he has a year under his belt. He didn't get to play for most of the year, mm -hmm. but he did get to sit back and kind of adjust to college so he knows what it's going to be like. But how quickly is he going to be able to adjust to Mike Young's system? I, I think that is a question, you know, kind of witnessing that firsthand last year with we knew how good Darius Maddox was, but he was kind of still the third piece in, in, in that wing trio because yes. he still wasn't as sharp as the other two in that offense. I, I think that just learning the scheme is kind of going to play a role going forward. And Chris mentioned the backcourt. NCAA tournament caliber, you would feel mm -hmm. the starters, Padula, Maddox, Couture, you would assume. So even with Naheem Aline gone, you may even feel better about that trio with the possible growth you could see from Padula and Maddox heading Absolutely. in into yeah. this year. Rice, uh, Rodney Rice coming off we'll the bench. Play, yeah. MJ Collins could get some minutes there as well. We'll see, we'll see if Mike Young actually wants to add a true small forward through the transfer portal. Yes. Yeah. Um, because unless you count Camden as a true small forward, yeah, you don't there's have not one. A, there's not one on this team. Um, and maybe if, if if Tech was missing anything this past season, that that was it. They didn't have a true true small forward. Um, so that that could be a potential uh, target for, from the portal. But I, I still feel like Tech's backcourt is going to be good. You might not recognize Padula now. He got a haircut. He doesn't look <laughs> like Sean Padula anymore. Yeah, but but there's so much talent there. And yeah, I, I think. Here's the other thing, and I kind of wrote this. I, I did a recruiting story yesterday. Even though Hunter Couture, you know, he does have a, another year left if he wants, but right now he's a he's a senior. He can come back next year. But even if he doesn't, between Padula, Rice, Maddox, and Collins, every single one of those guys has at least two years after this year, at least two years left. In the case for Rice and Collins, they've got three. So there's a lot of a lot of time for growth, a lot of room for growth, and they're going to be in pretty good hands going forward for a while. Well, in the front court is where we've talked about. You talked about the guys who may get some minutes there. Lynn Kidd, transfer from Clemson last year, didn't play a lot this year, but I guess you could say he's the most experienced of the he, remaining. Yeah. Okay. Big men. So if the season started tomorrow, um, <laughs> he's your starting center. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's him, uh, and, and him and Camden. Right. Uh, with Buchanan well, and Wessler, true freshmen coming off the bench. Right. Now it sounds like Grant Basili. Yeah. The JUCO or not JUCO. JUCO. The, the, the the grad transfer from from uh, Wright State. From Wright State. Sounds like he's coming to Virginia Tech. Okay. Uh, six nine two twenty five. Uh, 18 points, eight rebounds per game, uh, 30, low 30s career, three-point shooter, 70-something percent for either yeah. shooter. Really skilled player. Probably the most like-for-like Aluma replacement that you could potentially find. Um, you could play the four or the five. So for me, like right now, if the season starts started tomorrow, kid starts at center, Basili starts at power farm. Yeah, that that's probably what. And it you can and like. you have Camden coming off the bench, right? You you, you could. Um, I think uh, now we'll, we'll see. Now if Virginia Tech is not done. Uh, now if Mutz comes back, then <laughs> then, then Basili is your is your starting center, and, and Mutz, Mutz is, is your starting power, power forward. Yeah. Right, and you'd feel a lot but, better. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but if, then if, you've got a then you've got like a a potential like you know 
re- ACC champs repeat. Yeah, uh, yeah, starting five at least. Yes, I, I mean that sure. is a that is a starting five. Like for sure, you're going to the tournament. You know, but I think a lot obviously hinges on on Justin Mudd's decision. But right. but to Chris's point, you know, even if Basile does end up coming. You know, Virginia Tech still has two scholarships remaining. That doesn't even count Mutz. If Mutz right. decides not to return, that's a third scholarship. Right. So and there's it, plenty of room to correct. add. And they're going to add another big man for sure. Yeah. Um, I would expect him to be a, a power forward. Now, how you use the rest of those scholarships is, is up in the air. I, again, I would like to add a, a traditional uh, small forward if possible. I think that, that would be good. Um, I, I really like Basili. I think he's a great fit. I think he's... As closest you could go out on the transfer portal and find to a Luma skill set yeah. that, that you could potentially get. They're the same height. Aluma's ten pounds heavier, and right. I mean, uh, I, I think I think his growth. We were trying to talking about this a little bit before. Basili, his you know, he's going to become a better three point. If he does come here, he's going to become a better three point shooter because he's working with Mike Young and those and guys. And still, he's already a pretty and he's good, already a pretty good yeah, one. Right. So he's, he's going to be a better three point shooter probably yeah. than Kevin Luma was. And he's, and he's got two years left if he chooses to use his COVID year. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. So how many, David? How many scholarships are still at three? And there then are three if right now. Come back, it would be four. Yeah, and then Basili subtra- potentially so, subtract one. Yeah. So so still a lot of flexibility for yeah. Mike Young this year. Who? Where do you think that Tech could look? Are there guys that maybe have entered their name into the draft that would enter the transfer portal after uh, if they decide to come back? Uh, are there some guys at lower levels who could come in? Who do we think, or where do we think Virginia Tech could look to fill those scholarships? I will. Uh, David is our I'm, expert. I'm, I'm pulling up. Yeah, I'm reading off. So essentially, I went through past couple days and I kind of just made a list of potential guys that Tech has reached out to. Um, besides Basili, um, I'm going to butcher this name, but, uh, Osun Osuni, uh, he's sorry. He's from, he, but he's saying, he's saying Bonaventure. I, I was really hoping okay. to sign Ali Ali. I know. Yeah. From, from Akron. Akron. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's from St. Bonaventure. He's six ten. Um, Morris Udazi from Wichita state. Um, oh God, a lot of these names are just really hard. Um, <laughs> Myel, come po- on, you're a soccer fan. Myel Potit uh, from Rice, Mo Nee from that probably butchered that name too from Eastern <laughs> Michigan, and Gabe Dorsey from Vanderbilt. That's, For those wondering, this is from an article. On this the is from an article. You, you, you can go, go, you can go look, look at, at these. You names can go yourself. read the names yourself and try to pronounce <laughs> yes. them. But essentially, there are, there are six names that I kind of put on there, and assuming Tech gets facility, that cuts it down to five. So you've got five guys, kind of that Tech has been pursuing, and four of them are six eight or taller. One six eight guy, one six nine guy, two six ten guys, and then Gabe Dorsey's a six six kind of guard um, from Vanderbilt. Well, but, that'd be your small forward. But he, six, but he, yeah, but he six six. You know, he'd be your three. on the wing. Yeah. But I think there are a lot of names, you know, that are that that are kind of in that mix, um, like you, Daisy. You know, from Wichita State, he listed his top eight schools back on April 20th and Tech's in that. Whether he comes and visits is completely different. Um, you know, Poteet is the the kid from Rice and he visited Pitt and he told Pitt reporters that he was going to visit UMass and Virginia Tech. So it's tough because remember, it's still May the 4th. There's plenty of time, you know, to figure this out. But I think what is important to note is 
there's going to, you're not going to really get any high school kids at this point. You know, yep. it's all going to be from the transfer portal, but there's plenty of names out there. It's kind of just finding the right guys that, that fit the system. And ideally, if you could find guys that have multiple years of eligibility yeah, left where right. they could help this year, you know, but they've got room to improve. I think that's pretty good too. Mm-hmm. I think we need the Hokies to get, is it Poteet and Moni? Can we get both of those guys? <laughs> just the two syllable names. I think that would be hilarious. Po- oh, Potiti's last name. Pot- oh, okay. Potiti. No, no, no. He thought- has. Uh, he has. Uh, okay. He his has first a- name is. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna again. I'm gonna butcher it. Uh, it's M Y L Y J A E L. Not even gonna try. Yeah. Not Poti- even gonna make an. He's effort. a sick, but he's from. He, he's from North Carolina. Okay. He's. Uh, he's from. He's six nine from Rice, but. Yeah, there's a, I think there's a lot of names. It's everybody's kind of just sitting in it's playing the waiting game a You're little bit. You're playing the waiting game a little bit. And you know, let's not forget about Mutz. I don't yeah. think it's likely that he's coming back. Yeah, but but, but if he came back, that would be huge. that would be awesome. Yes. And so if you're you know, if you're interested in contributing to the NIL fund to the Justin Mutz NIL fund, I'm sure Mike Mike Young would love to hear from you. Justin Mutz, obviously, I think that would be the biggest move Tech can make is just getting him back at this point, uh, bringing a little more continuity to that lineup. We'll see if he comes back. June 1st is the day he has to decide by. So still a little under a month until we could get some clarity on the Justin Mutz situation. Uh, With that, I think it's about time to take a break. But first, let's send it over to Katie in the fourth chair. So we touched on the men's basketball transfer. Got to touch on the women's basketball transfer. There's so much good coming out of Virginia Tech Athletics as of late. It's hard to mention everything, but this is huge. David, correct me on the name if I'm wrong. Ashley Owusu? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's coming from Maryland, but she's a Virginia native, so that's great. She was labeled as the number two transfer in women's college basketball right now. So for a team that has so much potential already, I mean, this is huge. I was actually at a at an NIL event on Sunday, and there was members of the men's and women's basketball team there. And I heard some people talking to the women's players about, oh, yo, y'all got a really big, big pickup today. And I'm like, what are they talking about? And I go through Twitter, and it hadn't been announced at that point. Yeah. So I'm like, huh. I wonder what they're talking about. And then later on, yeah. you know, it came out. <laughs> That's like, what happens wow. when you hang out with donors. Right, exactly. Yeah. They already know. But yeah, Ashley was I mean, all former All-American, Drysdale winner, which goes to the best shooting guard in the country. She's essentially going to be a like-for-like replacement with Asia Shepard, you know, who, who by the way, just made the Las Vegas Aces roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge pickup. Virginia Tech could be one of the favorites to win the ACC this year in sure. women's hoops. I mean, that you know, you've got Georgia Amore in her third season at point guard. ACC player of the year, Elizabeth Kitley at power forward. I think Kenny Brooks, he still has, like Mike Young, a lot of scholarships available. He, he's got a lot of room, um, but... You know, they got Claire Ford, too, from Boston College, who adds a little bit more size to the front court. So, yeah, but Owosu's a huge... They got a good high school class coming in, too. They do, yeah. And Kiana Trailer coming back, too? Trailer's coming back. So, if you run out a possible starting five of Georgia Amor, Ashley Owosu, Kiana Trailer... Don't forget Kayla King. Or Kayla King. There's there's an embarrassment (laughs) of riches for Kenny Brooks over there right now. Yeah. So, They're definitely going to be good. ACC women's basketball is so hard to predict, though, because you're always going to have the Louisvilles and the NC States. UNC is going to be really good next year. And then you have Virginia Tech. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it'll be a really competitive conference next year. Swinging back to softball and baseball, it's hard to believe that you know, they're both ranked in the top five. It's even harder to believe that there's another school that has both their softball and baseball teams ranked in the top five in Arkansas. But last night, Arkansas baseball lost to Missouri State. 
And they play a tough series at Auburn this weekend, so maybe it'll be just Virginia Tech in that category once go. the new rankings come out. I'm not sure. I've yeah. seen people have been averaging the baseball and softball rankings and tech, together. Tech, tech, tech leaped up an average. Tech, yeah. Yeah. Now in 3.5 is the average yeah. ranking yes. between the two. Yeah, yeah. so if you, if, you move, if you beat Villanova this weekend, yeah. who is it? One of those two games yeah. against Villanova. And then you're potentially move up to fourth or third or something, depending on what other teams do. And I believe we'll talk about softball in the second half. Softball's off this weekend, I believe. Yeah, softball doesn't have anything until the uh, ACC tournament. Until the ACC tournament. So, little which starts next Wednesday. Yes, y- you would assume Tech's not going anywhere from no. two. Well, I think uh, over the I think weekend. I was talking with Chip Grubb. I I think Tech is. Tech's number two in the RPI, but they're they could Tech could potentially be number one. You know, just yeah. they, they, like that's how good Tech softball is. Yep. So we'll talk we'll talk more about them in the second half. Uh, Quick um, football comment: I read this online and I thought this was so interesting. So last year in the 2021 NFL Draft, the ACC had 51 players selected. This year, only 21 players. So you cut that number wow. by 30. Um, it goes to show just coastal chaos, Atlantic anarchy in a year that. <laughs> Pitt and Wake Forest are in the ACC championship game. What do you expect? But it's also like Virginia Tech led the conference tied with UNC for the most number of draft picks. They leap over Clemson. So I don't Clemson know. It's crazy. Two picks. Two picks. Yeah. Texas had none. What did Miami have one late or something? Or did they have none? I think none? Miami had one. Yeah. Pitt had two, the ACC champions, and one was Kenny Pickett. <laughs> and Georgia had 16. Georgia had 15. 15. <laughs> I, uh, I actually looked at this last night. I was going to bring this up in the second half, but it fits now. Uh, so the ACC had 21 picks. Georgia and LSU combined had 25. Um, um, and then in the Big Ten, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State combined for 24. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, it's an example of how certain rosters are getting stacked with the best players. Yeah. And uh, I was, I'm working on an article about 757 talent specifically quarterback talent in the 757 and how, you know, it's been 10 years, over 10 years. The, the last productive... The last, pro, the last, the last pro pro, prospect. The, the last the, productive 757 quarterback at the Power 5 level was in the 2009 recruiting class. Yeah. And it used to be every other year a dominant player, a dominant quarterback would come out of there. So I interviewed all these people and about it who were very familiar with the situation. Like I interviewed Jim Cavanaugh. I interviewed Lou Johnston. I interviewed Dwight Vick. And uh, that article is going to run while, while I'm out of the country next week. But I'll, uh, one of the things we talked about was one of the things that's happening in the 757 is the talent is now stacked at like three schools out there. Yeah. And they just steamroll everybody. Like Oscar Smith is when beating teams by 60 and there's a running clock in the second half. <laughs> I mean, even playoff games are like teams are like four wins are making the playoffs. I mean, there's, there's, there's no parity yeah. out there at all. Because of all the tr- like, anybody can transfer wherever they want, so they're all going to the same teams, and like the lower level teams, like they can't keep coaches anymore because that you think you're about to have a good team, and boom, your three best players transfer to Oscar Smith, yeah. and so like last spring there was like seven or eight coaches that just quit in the seven five seven because of all that stuff that's going on out there. So all the talent is getting stacked at the top three or four places and everybody else is just like, screw it. It's not worth it. I'm not doing it anymore. Um, So you're kind of, you're seeing that at all, all like all levels of American sport as far as like high school and college go in football where the talent is just collecting at the top teams. And I just think it hurts the overall product. And I think there needs to be some rule changes to, uh, 
to uh, like think think about it like after another twenty years of this and the sport just becomes watered down. I mean, you see the crowds in Lane Stadium slowly decreasing through time. Like, what if you feel like eight and four is the best you can do at some point? Yeah. Which it might be. Um, and I, and the crowds are down in the seven five seven because of it, as far as far as their attendance at games goes. So, I, I think we have to be really really careful. Is 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 society with how where our football is heading? Not yeah. the NFL, but the, at the college and high school level, because there's just not a lot of parity anymore. Anyway, sorry for that uh, well, diversion. Looking forward to that article next week. Uh, brings up. Uh, we'll get into this later, but Jordan Addison uh, talk of, of Pitt yeah. and USC. Yeah. Another example of that, possibly. Uh, Isaiah Wong. Isaiah Wong. Yeah. But he's staying now, apparently. Well, he has sort of had to. Yeah. Because uh, if he if he had left, that would have basically been... Pay for play. Yeah. The, of pay for play. Well, and that's right? the Jordan Addison. Apparently, there's a significant NIL package waiting for him at USC with Lincoln Riley. Uh Addison, Boletnikoff winner this year, possible top 10 pick next year. So... Definitely uh, a lot to be sorted out with NIL. Just I was listening to Packer and Durham on the way here. Just 10 months since NIL came into play, and we're already dealing with all of this stuff. So uh, it will be fun to look at uh, over the next couple of years. Katie, anything else in the fourth chair? I'm good. All right. Well, a good tease for the second half. Talked a little softball and NFL draft there. Those are our two topics when we come back. Uh, I believe Will's going to come back on set. Uh, so... We will talk, I believe, NFL draft first. We'll get into that. Four new Hokies drafted into the NFL, a bunch new drafted as, or excuse me, signed as undrafted free agents, and then the softball program wrapping up their regular season last night and getting ready for the ACC tournament. All of that coming up here on episode 237 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back on episode 237 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We spent the first half talking about the baseball team now in the top five and the basketball team, some transfers out, some moving in, trying to build a roster for next year. In the second half, we're going to look back at last week's NFL draft. Four new Hokies drafted into the NFL, a bunch more signed as UDFAs. Uh, and we'll also look at the softball program. Another sweep this weekend. Same old business for uh, Pete Demore's squad up there. A little bit of rotation on set. Will Stewart, founder and general manager, now across the way. David slides over to my right, our managing editor. Katie's still in the fourth chair. I'm your host, Jake Lyman. With that, let's get into the NFL draft last weekend. Not quite as exciting as last year when the Hokies had two first-round picks. Uh, but four players drafted. Before we get into that, I've got some trivia for you guys. Uh, I want to see, as a group, all three of you, can you name every Virginia Tech first-round pick in the program's history? There are 13 of them. Can we get all of them among the three of you? I think we can. Oh, how convenient that I'm scrolling through Wikipedia's <laughs> list of Hokies drafted. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Put your phone down. Put, Put it down. down. All right, all right. Well, can we, let's start with the Edmonds brothers. Okay, so right, Edmonds brothers. I was going to say start with the recency. So okay. Darisaw and Farley. Farley okay. last year. And so Farley went 22nd Eight. to the Titans last year. Yep. Darisaw 23rd back-to-back to the Vikings. Edmonds brothers, Bills and Steelers in 2018. 16th yes. for Tremaine. 28th for Terrell. So there you go. You got four of the 13. Some uh, of these should be easy. Michael Vick. Michael Vick. <laughs> Michael Vick, Bruce Smith. First overall to the Falcons, 2001, Bruce Smith. First overall, Bills, 1985. Did uh, Eugene Chung go in the first round? Eugene Chung did. 13th overall to the Patriots in 1992. One of the Fuller brothers, maybe. Correct. Which one? Uh, Kyle. 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 Yep. Kyle, 14th Bears. overall to the, to the Bears, 2014. Okay. 
you're missing, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. There goes all the air out of the room. So people one, who yeah. are, so one Will, of, you gotta carry one of this these should be pretty, I, I feel like I might have missed you guys saying it because you guys should get this one. Well, we, we oh, Jim Druckenmiller. Well, Jim Druckenmiller, correct. No. 49ers, 26, 1997. Again, one of the, so 2004, I'll give you the year. 2004, uh, Kevin Jones. Kevin Jones, correct. Um, that wasn't the one I was thinking of, though. Kevin were, Jones, Lions, 30th oh, overall. Hall. D'Angelo oh, Hall, 8th oh, overall yeah. of the Falcons. You so are, how many we got left? One, two, three, two. Oh, two. 2008 and 2012. Oh, was Brandon wow. Flowers a first-round pick? He was third pick in the second round. Okay. So, so just outside. Close. 2008, Sean Glennon. <laughs> Sean, uh, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you some positions. I'm laughing with you, not at you. No. Tackle and running back. Tackle. Oh, oh, Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown, Texans, um, twenty six. And uh, Ryan Williams. No, Darren no. Evans. Nope. David. David Wilson. Wilson? David Wilson. Wow. Thirty second. Oh, he went to the, Giants. to the Giants. Yeah, he was last pick of the first round. Yes, there you go. So and those v- are your. V thir- Tizzle was super happy. He's a Giants fan. <laughs> yes. Yes. So there you go. Those are your thirteen first round picks in Virginia Tech history. None this year. Uh, it got started in the fifth round. James Mitchell, first pick from the Hokies this year, uh, one seventy seven to the Lions. You feel like Mitchell could be a steal of the draft there. The injury probably dropped him a few rounds. I was thinking he could be a day two pick heading into the season. I think there's a chance he could turn into a number two there for the Lions behind TJ Hawkinson. Dude, I like, I mean, James, James, first of all, James Mitchell is such a nice guy. I had a chance to sit down and write a feature on James back at the beginning of the season before his injury. Um, and, and which I like completely forget about because it was so long ago and then he didn't get a chance to play. You but, forget about the feature you mean? Or yeah, the, the feature just because like, you know, his season ended like two weeks later, but he's got so much potential. If he can get fully healthy, if he can, I mean, he's, he's, I, I don't want to say, um, you know, he's exact replica of uh, Kyle Pitts, but he's, yep. he's got the athleticism and he can, block guys i mean i think james can have a really good future in the nfl if he can stay healthy second was amari barno sixth round 189 to the panthers barno it was funny you look on day two like third round he's mel kuyper's number one available uh after malik willis went i think barno was number one and he went on for three hours and he finally went to the panthers yeah i read uh i'm a dolphins fan so i get the the emails about Dolphins articles from The Athletic, and one of the writers for The Athletic, you know, the Dolphins didn't pick till late, like the 111th pick or something yeah. like that, third or fourth round, whatever that winds up being. I think I think maybe early fourth. Or, yeah, for first few picks of the fourth. And uh, one of their writers thought that the, the Dolphins, they clearly needed an edge guy. They thought he might pick Barno, and there's a big difference between that and where he eventually wound up going. Yep, 189. Barno, though, Did again, you see the, the, the tweet yesterday from the Panthers that he already signed his rookie contract? Really? And he was the first rookie out of all of them to sign. Yeah. Well, it, Barno was one of those guys you just look at and say everything's there. He's big. He ran the fastest uh, ever 40 at the combine for a defensive lineman. Uh, we'll see. Maybe a late round steal there for the, probably the hometown team of a lot of listeners, uh, the Carolina Panthers. Well, he's such a he's such a good athlete, you know, and and he had such. I thought last year, and you know, you guys that are more dialed in this stuff, correct me if I'm wrong. He basically had a good first game against UNC. Yeah, and then in my mind, didn't do a whole well, lot the, the entire the rest statistics, of the season. He didn't do a lot statistically, but yes. he did grade out well. Yeah. You're correct. Um, yeah. 
So where was I going with all that? And then there was that weird, awkward one minute thing that showed up on Twitter where he was talking to someone. And this was this was weeks ago. Uh, he was on a podcast or something on the radio somewhere. And he kind of got cornered a little bit and he let it slip that he saw, thought that some of his teammates had kind of mailed it in after yeah. a certain point. And um, I, I guess so I mentioned all that. I throw it out there to me. It's just part of the landscape of Amari Barno. He's such a physically talented individual. If he winds up in the right spot, it would not surprise me if he had a very productive NFL career. And you're sitting there five years from now going, he was good for us, but he wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah exactly. And and a lot of tech players have been successful as later round picks. I mean, you look Cam Chancellor, one of the most notable ones, Tyrod Taylor as well. So was, I, th- I think Cam's a great example because Cam got moved. We, and we talk about Cam all the time. He got moved around so much in his career that it was a surprise that he was that good of yep. an NFL player. And again, you guys follow the NFL closer than I do, but that whole Legion of Boom, is that what they call yes. themselves? Yeah, correct. Was that really the first group of defensive backs that was that huge and that punishing that you guys I mean, that I can remember that, yeah, that, I, can, your time. that I can remember. Yeah. I mean, you got Richard Sherman who was huge out of Stanford and he was great. And all, a lot of those guys were late round picks. Sherman was a fifth round pick. I want to yeah. say chancellor was fifth or sixth. Uh, I don't know where old Thomas went, but uh, yeah, but that's a good example. A good example a there and had a great NFL career. Uh, third pick for the Hokies, Luke Tenuta, sixth round, 209 to the Buffalo Bills. So another pick to, to the Bills. Uh, it's funny. I played golf at Auburn Hills on Friday, and I saw him. I was like, dude, I'm, you could get drafted. Like, where? what are you doing out here? But, uh, yeah, so Luke Tenuta, sixth round to the Bills. Uh, we, we were, I think we were taking a little heat on the boards or on Twitter because we've been saying for years that Tenuta arrived here and the coaches thought he was a future NFL draft Yeah, pick. yeah. And the rounds were going on, and he wasn't, and people were bitching and saying, oh, he should have stayed another year, et cetera, et cetera. And then he gets picked. Yeah, and, and We chance. were right. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, Bills have been a good place for Hokies to go in the past, too. I mean, maybe not for uh, – I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Our resident Dolphins fan. Uh, last pick, Lasita Smith, another offensive lineman, went just six picks later to the Cardinals. Uh, so – Lasita Smith out to the desert, four Hokies picked, tied for the most in the ACC. Yeah, which is kind of crazy to think so about. So I'm going to, while you guys continue to talk, I'm going to scroll through the list and see, uh, does anybody know off the top of their heads uh, when the last time that many Hokies got picked? Because it's been uh, last year. Last year. <laughs> 2021. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who the other picks were. Farley, Darisaw. Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert, Herbert and uh, Diablo. Divine Diablo, Diablo. Yeah. yes. Then yeah. there was one the year before that, none, uh, five. So, you know, four's pretty consistent. Four's pretty good. Yeah. And when you lead the ACC, I don't know if that just shows how good Tech is or how bad. 20% Down of ACC, the ACC draft is. picks this year came yeah. from Virginia Tech. That, was it Katie that gave the stat of 21 picks this year for the that A drop down off of 30. 30. And it, that, that is, is insane. Again, is, mm. Georgia had 15. Yeah. So Georgia was six away from matching the entire conference. Uh, but again, Georgia, that's a different animal, right? And there. it opens up a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I was gonna say, I think, I think both, both of those offensive linemen, Tanuta yeah. and, and, and Smith, like those are good landing spots. Like both of the, you know, they don't necessarily have to like jump in and, and play right away. They can learn from some of the veterans Develop. in the room and you got good quarterbacks. 
like you got Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. Like those are pretty good quarterbacks to be able to to block for. Yeah. And I both think I think both of them are, are really talented guys that um, with with some NFL development can be really good. And not saying either of them could be Wyatt Teller, but Wyatt Teller was a later round pick. He went yeah. to Buffalo as well, so maybe we see a kind of development like that with uh, Tenuta or Smith uh, over the next few years. Uh, undrafted free agents, uh, I believe the Hokies had seven. Undrafted free agents. A lot. Uh, yes. Uh, Raheem Blackshear, also to the Bills. So Luke Tenuta has a roommate in Buffalo. <laughs> that, 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 doesn't even, that doesn't even mention that Tim Settle and Tremaine Edmonds are both yes. there already. A lot of Hokies on Buffalo. Yeah. Uh Changa Hodge uh, to the Cardinals as well. So an, a roommate for Lasita Smith, too. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of repeats here. Um, John Parker Romer and Oscar Shadley to, to the, the Saints. Saints. <laughs> uh, so you, you keep gotta, that dynamic you gotta duo snap together. And that would be cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. Brock Hoffman to the Browns. So he'll get to play that with Wyatt Teller. With Wyatt Teller. Uh, <laughs> not sure Brock's going to be able to play, but if you get those two guys next to each other, what a mauling group you've got. Uh, Trey Turner to the Raiders. Uh, so he'll be out in Vegas. Uh, Jermaine Waller. With Diablo. With Diablo. We're getting a lot of these uh, connections here. Jermaine Waller to the Lions with James Mitchell. Um, and Jordan Williams to the Miami Dolphins. Is Isaiah Ford. All by himself. I don't, I don't think Isaiah's Isaiah is on Ford. the team. Anymore. Isaiah, Dude. he'll be on the team again at some point. <laughs> <laughs> For the next 14 I mean, years, Isaiah well, Ford will be on and off the Dolphins <laughs> yeah, that That's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, again, I don't know how many of those guys are actually going to be able to stick. But, like, that's – that's a good amount of guys yeah. that that got NFL deals. I feel like that's more. I don't know. I couldn't tell you how many guys usually end up as undrafted free agents with the team. Seems like more than, than usual. But yeah, that's what that's what I, that's what the feeling is. But I mean, I think landing spots for for all of them. I believe like it wasn't. I think Turner was going to go to the Vikings and then he got traded Ye- or something. Or there yeah, was a trade. Made the a pick change. was traded. Yeah, something like that. Some. Yeah. Um. Well. Oscar Shadley, not an undrafted free agent. He's a training camp tryout with the Saints, oh, as yeah. is Tay Daly with the Cardinals. So though, those are all of the Hokies who are at least getting a shot in the NFL this year. So that adds up to 13 guys. Uh, yeah. So uh, a pretty good number for not Virginia bad. Tech this year. I think part of me looks at it and goes, if they had 13 guys that are potentially going to be able to play in the NFL. How did they just go? Yeah. <laughs> well, it... A lot of these guys probably won't make rosters to start, at least with the first team that they're with. But, no. I mean, again, they cut down a lot. You go from 90 to 53 during training camp for the NFL. So yeah. uh, a lot of guys going to find other homes, but hopefully a lot of those Hokies uh, find some success in the NFL. Uh, that wraps it up on the draft. And now let's get to what everyone's been waiting for, the softball team, the number two team in the country. Uh, and the new RPI rankings just came out. They are now number one in the RPI this year. Uh, so Pete DeMore's squad uh, well on their way to hosting a regional, possibly a super regional. And this week, uh, a big accomplishment. They clinched the regular season ACC title with their sweep of Boston College. And Pete DeMore said that the ACC regular season title matters to him more than the tournament title. Because I think the, I think ACC championship is single elimination. So yeah. anything, anything yes. can happen. Yeah. And it did last year. Um it's it's interesting to follow ACC softball. And the, the schedules are so unbalanced. You know, if if you look at uh, like I pretty Duke pretty much didn't have to play anybody this year. You know, uh, in ACC softball. So, not to take away from what Pete and the team did, forty and six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's insane. Yeah, when I and and uh, 
I was actually texting with Chip Grubb, our, our softball writer, this morning, and he mentioned he he, te- he texted me that quote from from Pete just about how impressive it is to do that with like ten rain delay, like ten cancellations because yeah. of weather and stuff like that. And Chip said he's going to write a story over the next couple of days just about how Pete Demore knew because of the ACC schedule rotation that Tech was not going to not not. Not that Tech wasn't going to have a tough schedule, but it was going to be lighter than it could have been. And so he went out and just scheduled Alabama and scheduled all these tough teams in the non-conference. And Tech proved itself. And now Tech's sitting with number one RPI in the country. And, I mean, they, they don't have another game until the ACC tournament starts next week. But it's just really impressive to do what they did. I mean, they took two of three from Florida State. That should have been three of three. Lost, could have been three of three at home against Virginia. Lost that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, very, very few slip ups, and and when you play as many games as as they do, that's really impressive. Yeah, you know, forty and six, and this close to being like literally forty and three that I can think of right off the top of my head. Yeah, win the game at Florida State without the illegal pitch call stuff going on. You maybe steal one from Alabama if you can just score one run. I'm, I'm thinking both against Alabama. Weren't they two nothing and one nothing? Yeah, yeah. three nothing combined. Score. And the bats just weren't working yeah. yet. You know and. Really good team. Just it, it, I, I, it's one of those deals where I look at it, guys, and it just doesn't register how good and, they are. And I'm in this weird place, and I've almost tweeted this a couple of times where every time the baseball team steps on the field and every time the softball team steps on the field, I expect them to win. And that's irrational and unreasonable, <laughs> but that's how good they've been. Yeah. Well, and speaking of baseball, David just showed me uh, a tweet from our Chris Hirons, uh, baseball beat reporter. Uh, D1 Baseball has the Hokies in their newest bracketology as the three seat overall, overall in the NCAA tournament. So I guess if you look at the, <laughs> the, the brackets overall right now, both Hokies diamond sports would be top three seeds overall in the NCAA tournament. Which wow. is which is absurd. Which I guess that's the equivalent of if your men's and women's basketball team are both one seeds. And, and we sat down and we had our staff meeting yeah. on Monday and we mapped out, we took our desk blotters. Yes, I still have an old school desk blotter with the giant calendar on it. And we mapped out when the ACC, when the softball team is going to be at the ACC tournament, hosting, baseball hosting, regionals, super regionals. And I don't think there's any overlap. Nope. So it's, I was thinking about it this morning. I mean, in the old days of Tech Sideline or Hokie Central or whatever, you'd get through spring football and that was it. There was nothing to talk about. And we're going to be really busy for the next month covering baseball and softball. And it's great. It keeps the fans engaged. Um, nobody was, you know, Chip covered softball for us last year and did a good job. But people weren't really locked in until they won their regional and then won the first game of their super regional. And then I think that game really against US, UCLA really, like, sparked interest. And I talk about this all the time, that, that fan interest in a sport can go like this because of one thing that happens, and winning that first game against UCLA is a good example. Yeah, I think that was the spark. You lose this the Super Regional, but just winning that first game and getting yeah. out and being one game away from the Women's College World Series, I think got everybody locked in on this season. When you think this year, Tech is Tech is probably going to end up hosting a Super Regional. Yeah. Like, there's going to probably be yep. a Super Regional at Tech Softball Park. They don't have to travel. They don't have to fly all across the country and go to Tempe and then go to to L.A. They can just sit at home in Blacksburg, and Keeley doesn't have to pitch every day. Yep. Yeah. The road to Oklahoma City runs through Blacksburg. Yeah. 
Um, and, I, and I know, I know Chip's in the uh, in the live chat on the YouTube stream, and I'm thinking uh, somebody on the message board says, the, yeah, the, the bleachers for outside the fence have already been ordered for regionals and, and super regionals. So if Chip can verify that, he'd probably know that. Well, before they can get to the NCAA tournament, ACC tournament coming up next week, uh, Hokies will be the number one seed. They'll play the winner of the 8-9 game uh, next Thursday, 11 a.m. first pitch, so an early one. Yeah, so very important. The, the softball championship starts on Wednesday, but Tech doesn't play till Thursday. Yes. Yeah. And from what I understand, every game's on the ACC network? Uh, until the championship. So yep. championship, I think, ESPN is ESPN2. Yes, so uh, and all the games... It's like being the one seed at the men's ACC tournament in men's or women's basketball. You play early games. So they'd play 11 a.m. on Thursday, 1 p.m. on Friday, 1 p.m. on Saturday if they keep on winning. So they advance. Um, okay. so three games in three days for the Hokies to win the ACC tournament title uh, before moving on to the NCAA tournament. But again, yeah, last night's win against Liberty, 13-9, uh, Called for rain in the sixth inning, I believe. Yeah, uh, that's their last regular season game. So now the Hokies just look ahead to, to the postseason. One more time, forty and six. Forty and six, <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, we we haven't talked about uh, the Boston College series this weekend. Uh, that was a series I think everybody expected the Hokies to go up there and sweep, but they were dominant. Uh, the the pitching in the circle did not give up a run in si- the first seventeen innings of the series nice. against Boston College. Three uh, nothing win on. Friday, eight nothing, or excuse me, nine nothing in six innings on Saturday, and then eight four win uh, on Sunday. Just ab- absurd. Again, like I know we, we kind of harp on this every week, but like um, every kind of time we talk about softball, but it is going. I think everybody's really going to everybody who hasn't realized it yet is really going to realize how special it is to have somebody else that is you know, that can pitch as well as Keeley can, that can, you know, that can even out the weight because, like, I think when Tech gets to the Super Regional this year and hosts it in Blacksburg and Keeley goes game one and then you throw MLM League game two and what, you know, you can win both of those games with two different pitchers and Keeley doesn't have to throw every single pitch of every single game. Like, that's special. And and you mentioned it earlier in the season with the Alabama series. Tech's bats weren't really going now. Tech, I think Tech's bats have started to um, get hot a little bit. And, I mean, this is a, a Tech team. Like you said, the you know the NCAA tournament, or I guess the College World Series, is going to run through Blacksburg. I mean, yep. Virginia Tech is, you know, I don't think Virginia Tech is a shoe-in, but, you know, because nobody really is in, in a, in a best-of-three kind of thing. Yeah, but Virginia Tech has a really, really good shot to, I mean, maybe even win. The college. I mean, you have you're gonna have to go through Oklahoma, but like Virginia Tech's gonna be one of the favorites to win it all, which yep. is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, if you look at Oklahoma, obviously you would think that they're the favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they've only lost one game all year, mm-hmm. uh, but Virginia Tech right there behind them. And again, Hokies number one in the RPI right now. The schedule. I think people always look back at Alabama, but they don't look back at that first weekend when they played five Power Five teams and won them all, and won them all, and Maybe a lot of those teams weren't ranked when they played them, but now Kentucky, Northwestern, uh, I want to say Ohio State, a, yeah, they a bunch played, of them. Ohio State, they played Michigan State. They, they, they're they all played, ranked in the top 15 yeah, now or yeah. somewhere around there. So I think that first weekend. And here's a random thing. I I was looking at the uh, – somebody somebody linked the RPIs. Chip probably put it on the boards. 
Florida State is 16-2 and two against the top 25 of the R- RPI. Yep. And, and Florida State's number three in the RPI. And the two are the only two they've lost in the top 25 of the RPI were to Virginia Tech. I think that's wow. interesting. Yeah. 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 And uh, ACC, good conference. I mean, you've got Tech at one. FSU at three in the RPI, Oklahoma right in, in between it too. So I think Duke's up there in the top ten, and Clemson um, is good as well. Um, who who Tech swept? Yes. Keep in mind, Tech swept Clemson, and Tech didn't have a chance to play Duke. I don't think. might have a chance uh, coming up next week. Yeah. Um, again, they'll play the winner of the eight nine, the winner of the four five to get to the championship uh, yeah. if if they keep on winning. So uh, opportunity next weekend, or excuse me, next week, uh, and then. We'll see where they end up. Uh, you would assume Tech probably no lower than the three overall. So you'd hopefully uh, the two heading into the tournament as long as they take care of business next week. Well, I think that about wraps things up. Uh, Katie, do we have any good questions from the YouTube chat today? We do not. <laughs> it, it, it was pretty dead when I was looking at it. All so right. so uh, when 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 I was not on the first segment for you know those that don't know, I was actually sitting over in the office next door uh, listening, and it's. It's uh it's a surreal experience for me to think about you know March 12th 1996 when I was sitting at my computer one night and I typed up my first ever Hokie Central article and 26 years later I'm over in the next room just watching this thing I created with people who weren't born <laughs> none of them mm-hmm. well Chris was born Chris was, Chris was, was on the first Chris part was, he was born. but the other four people in the room were so it's a it's a lot of fun and uh, I don't think you mentioned this this is this is it for you and Katie for this year yep. so this is the last for, podcast for, the, for the for, until the fall. for the spring yeah, yeah. yes um, of course you have another semester right yep. Jake I yeah. will be here till December and Katie you got a whole nother year yes yeah so um, you guys will be involved in the fall and, and this is just, just going to keep plugging. And I've been threatening to do more video content and all <laughs> I've done so far is just talk about it, but we're really going to do that next fall because we've got some students, uh, including Katie, who are, who have pretty open schedules next fall. And so we'll be able to do more stuff. So, yep. I, I am only taking one class next semester, so I'm, I'm free. We'll, we'll get, we'll do a podcast every day. <laughs> Man, now you got me thinking. So, hmm. Text Highline Daily Show. You know, we'll seriously. See. Well, well see. we definitely need to do a lot more short form video. Yeah. You know, yes. Um, we love doing the podcast, but uh, we've been, a, I've been wrapped up with other stuff with the Judson, Justin Mutt's poster and some, some NIL, some other NIL yeah. stuff. That's what I've been preoccupied with. So, uh, we'll try to definitely do, do more, more video content next fall. That'll be fun. And so I just want to thank you guys. Thank you guys for your service this year. <laughs> you have uh, you've done a great job and really helped us elevate the the art of what we do here. You know, so I uh, appreciate you being. So, Jake, tell everybody what you're doing this summer. Well, I, I'm heading back to uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota. I'll be calling baseball all summer. Uh, 68 games in 74 days or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so I'll be up there. And then uh, just like last year, I'll be booking it back to get here in time for classes and, and football season. So, uh, yeah. And so people start in on us pretty much in early August, they're like, when are you going to start doing regular podcasts? And I'm like, well, the talent's not here. The talent's still up in Minnesota and New York and wherever the heck else they are. And I mean, you literally do, you hit the runway 
and into class you go. You know, that, that baseball season takes right up until your classes yep, start. Last year, uh, our team, the Rocks in the Northwoods League, we went to the championship. Uh, we lost on a Friday night, and classes started Monday morning. Uh, yeah. I had a 19-hour drive in between to get back. So, yeah. uh, yep, it was it, it's a grind, but it'll be a lot of fun. So, yeah. excited and, for that. And so, Katie, tell us what you're doing this summer. So being a local, I'm in Blacksburg year-round. So finally, I'm moving somewhere. <laughs> um, for the first time this summer, I'll be in Chapel Hill, moving there this weekend, um, doing some work on Franklin Street, and then hopefully doing some work with Duke Basketball, assisting with K Academy and John Shire Basketball Camps. So your, uh, your sister works for Duke, is that right? Yep, she's the um, event planner for athletics, like all athletics, so... Well, don't get, don't get too smitten with being somewhere that where they actually have things going on. <laughs> I <laughs> like, know. Like concerts and restaurants and things like that. I've already got a couple concerts lined up. Yeah, so. It's funny because I ran, this is completely random, but I ran into uh, Coach Pry, Brent Pry at PK's like uh, last week at some point. And uh, I chatted with him for a couple minutes and he said, you know what? We need more live music. The whole live music thing is a big deal with him. Yeah, he loves yeah. it. He loves live music. He's like, man, I could. He's like at Penn State, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there were like four or five bands. Like you could go anywhere and get live music. And the only place I can think of that plays live music occasionally is like maybe the Milk Parlor. Yeah. Well, it depends upon what he's looking for. Like I got a, a buddy of mine owns a, a brewery and. Uh, Radford, and since he doesn't pay for advertising, I'm not going to tell you the name of it. But they, they have live music like once a week, but what is Coach Pride looking for? Is yeah. he looking for a giant band? Well, I think what he wants is like, like in bands. a bar. I'm sure what he would love is the Allman Brothers, really, to come right, play. Right, right. Well, and but, you have to remember, before Penn State, he was at Vanderbilt, so there was no shortage of live music in Nashville. In Nashville uh, yeah. So um, yeah. we, maybe he can like bribe one of the bar I, I think he's worth. I think he's, from what I understand, I think he's working on it. Which is, uh, I don't know, that'd be pretty fun. Having so live, Coach Pry is going to bring live music back to Blacksburg. There you go. There you Already go. a good start. to, And he hasn't even touched the field for his first real game yet. Right. So, uh, all right. I think that'll wrap things up uh, here on episode, I'm blanking on the name, 267? 237. 237. <laughs> I haven't forgotten that all year. And the last one, I mess it up. Uh, before we go, David, what's coming up on techsideline.com? Um, honestly, we don't. It's kind of just dependent on baseball and softball. I know Chris, obviously, he said he's got some football stuff coming. Um, and he's going to London uh, on Monday. So Chris is going to be gone for about a week and a half, I think. Um, so it's just going to be Will and I. But yeah, so let me jump in here and say whenever he goes on vacation, the Friday Q&A is ask me anything about tech sideline. I, I do so that'll an, be next Friday? I do an inside TSL edition once a year. And uh, – and it's always very well received. It's like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. You should do more of these. And I'm like, see you next year. <laughs> so so just ask me anything about Tech Sideline. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll put the call out on the message board and, and things like that. So that'll be coming next Friday. That'll be next Friday. Not this Friday. Yeah, so Willow, Friday. Chris is writing some stuff that we're going to put out um, when he's gone. Um, I'm kind of prepping, assuming um, Virginia Tech is going to get Basile um, at some point. In Basile. The next Basili, yes. At some point in the next week. Um, besides that, you know, I wrote a recruiting article yesterday. You can go check out. Um, Basili was on the on the list of names. So if he does end up committing, that would cut one name off of the board that you know, got, they got a list of guys that's still on there. Um, and now I have, to, I have to tease David. He accidentally posted it as a free article. So 
It was supposed to be a subscriber. Oh, wow. He put it put up as free, so go read it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you get a freebie there from David. Yeah, but but anyway, we've got you know obviously baseball stuff. Chip Grubb's going to have some some softball stuff in the next couple of days. Chris Hirons will be covering baseball series at Villanova. As good a time as ever to subscribe to Tech Sideline. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing that it's like I said, it's May and and baseball and softball are going to take us through late May. Potentially in, through well, mid-June for if baseball. If the baseball team goes all the way to the College World Series, I mean, we're going to be doing baseball and softball and then take a break and be right back into football. Yeah, yeah. What, Women's College World Series is the first week of June, I want to say. Yes, and then, and, that, and, which is, and that's when uh, baseball regionals are. Okay, so, man, yeah, a lot. So, Virginia Tech, we could potentially be sitting Close here first July. weekend of June where Virginia Tech baseball is hosting a regional the same weekend that it's Tech softball. softball is at the College World Series. So, wow. last year when we went on vacation in the Outer Banks, and I'm going to be on vacation in the Outer Banks that when the College World Series is, the Women's College World Series is going on. And same thing happened last year because that's the week we always, when we go to the Outer Banks, that's the week that we go. And I watched a lot of the softball games, and that was the first time I'd ever watched the Women's College World Series. And it's great. There's a lot of personalities there. The game moves so fast. It's it's a it's a fun game to watch. So yeah, um, yeah, I'll be on vacation, but I'll be glued to the set watching and, and working. You know, if they make it that far, it should be a fun summer. Uh, and again, baseball if they make a run, that's almost July. Possibly. Yeah, and you got to and then you got to think ACC football media days is late july it is go. yeah like so year round yeah well as a business owner i love that i'll just say that hey as long as we don't have another coaching hire this year i'm all right with that there we yeah. go that took that took a lot <laughs> off me but yeah all right well i want to thank everybody for watching and listening today thank everybody on set will stewart founder and general manager across the way at will stewart tsl on twitter chris coleman was on our lead analyst and columnist in the first half you can find him at chris coleman tsl on twitter david on for the whole show just made a little slide over at halftime at the real d kunna on twitter our managing editor in the fourth chair, Katie Adams made her return for one one time only. She'll be <laughs> back in the fall uh, and did a great job in the fourth chair. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land. And I'm your host, Jake Lyman, signing off here on episode 237 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Have a great weekend, Hokies fans. We'll see you next time.